Hi, I'm Tony Rivera. I serve as the Director of Educational Assessment at Marion University, and welcome to this episode of Data Talk. Whether you are a staff member, faculty member, or a student, you know that there is so much fatigue when it comes to surveys, evaluations, etc. You are asked to complete so many things, but often never hear back about the findings and how findings are, are being used. You might feel like, what's the point? Is anybody reading this? Uh, this podcast seeks to highlight the people on, on campus uh, involved in assessment, the people who, who do read your responses to various assessments and try to use uh, those responses to inform curricular and co-curricular improvements. Our guest today is Jenny Morris. Jenny serves as the Executive Director for the Exchange at Marion, uh, where she provides strength-based uh, education and uh, helps guide students through career exploration. She has worked professionally at Marion since 2009, serving as the Director of Internships and then the Director of Career Development before becoming the Executive Director for the Exchange. Uh, Jenny earned a master's degree in higher education student affairs from Indiana University and a bachelor's degree in marketing from Marion University. And something that I just discovered in my research, a little, little fun fact about Jenny that, that people might not know, Jenny recently finished serving a six-month ban from Grand Park for arguing balls and strikes. <laughs> uh, Lies. <laughs> Jenny Morris, welcome to Data Talk. <laughs> Was that the hard-hitting question I'm going to get? So thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Jenny, before we, we get into the, the data that we're, we're talking about today, I'm really interested in learning more about uh, your graduate experience. For those of you that don't know, uh, the IU Higher Education and uh, Student Affairs Program is nationally recognized, which is really the, the top people as, as faculty. We're talking about people like Jillian Kinsey, Trudy Vanta, Nancy Chisholm, the list goes on. And, you know, I don't know what it's ranked now, but, you know, when you were in the program, I mean, we're talking about a, a top five recognized program. I know that, you know, I, I'm sure there's been strides to better serve uh, working professionals, but... You know, when you were in the program, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, this is probably more geared towards full-time, full-time students. Just, just kind of tell us, like, about your, your experience, what you, what you gained from the program, and how you navigated it, along with working full-time at Marion, and, oh, by the way, raising, you know, two kids who <laughs> yeah, are at the time. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, who are at the time, like four through eight, you know, right. in that, that range. So yeah. yeah, no, the program was fantastic. And you're not wrong. It was, um, it was meant to be, well, you could be full-time, you could be working full-time, or you could be going to school full-time. Um, but the vast majority of people were going to school full-time and were doing a part-time assistantship. I was doing the opposite. So I was working full-time, was really grateful to Marion to value professional development enough to say, yes, we are going to allow you a little bit of, you know, flexibility in your schedule to make this work. So I would work for part of the day. I would go to school, but you're right. The juggling it was was challenging, but the program itself was really fantastic. One of the things I really appreciated was that I was able to take a lot of the different assignments and make them sort of overlap and kind of double dip with the things I was doing at Marion. So I was able to actually take some of my assignments and actually make them focus on things like internships and then just be doing that for work as well. And yes, having two kids at those ages while doing this was not 
the easiest yeah. thing. So, yeah, my kids at the time, they're now um, freshmen and sophomore in high school. But at the time, we're at those ages where, you know, they definitely can't get themselves anywhere and are, um, you know, decided to argue over every little thing. You know, if they were sharing the same airspace, you know, breathing room, they would, you know, have an argument. So I'm trying to juggle. I wore headphones very similar to what we're wearing right now. Yeah. And they were silencing headphones, trying to make sure that I could get my schoolwork done and my actual work done and get them where they need to be. So it was a good time. Yeah. But the skills I developed in multitasking <laughs> and being adaptable. Um, so it was three years that we were in that program. It's actually the the bracelet that I'm wearing right now is, um, and I got this for Christmas and wear it like every day. But it's uh, if for anybody listening that's seen those bracelets that have like a picture inside of them. The picture that's in it is actually my kids at my graduation from my master's program. And my sister took it and it is a, um, the quality of the photo wouldn't look, I wouldn't look fantastic, but my kids' hands are so blurry yeah. with applause. Like they were plotting so hard for me when I was crossing the stage that their hands are just this like flesh colored blur. It's one that I wear as a reminder that basically while that was challenging, it was not only worth it, but it felt like me and my family graduated together that day because we had all lived that three years together, which was hard, but we made it. And my kids got to see, you know, their mom putting themselves, putting herself through yeah. something to kind of be better for the family. So it was totally worth it. And for anybody that's thinking about grad school, whether you do it right after undergrad, whether you do it later, it's, it might be a great choice for you and your family. And it's hard, but it's doable. What tips would you would you have? I mean, we, we might have students listening who are, are thinking about it or, or current staff members at, at Marion that are thinking about going back to school. No matter what time you decide to do it, there are kind of drawbacks and benefits to every time you would do it. So I don't think that there's, it's kind of not the ideal time. It's what's the ideal time for you. When I graduated from Marion, I'll be honest, I said I was done with school. Like I am not going back. And it wasn't because I didn't have a great experience or because I didn't do well at school because neither of those statements are true. But I put so much pressure on myself to do well that I was like, I just want to focus on working. And it wasn't until much later that I was like, okay, I'm going to go back. And really, Marion was one of the reasons. I mean, I remember at the time I reported to Dr. Inneking, which was our former provost, and he was really encouraging me to consider going back, basically because some degrees or some areas you might work in, like higher ed, you can't get very far unless you have an advanced degree. So he was really encouraging me to consider doing that. Um, if you go right after you graduate from undergrad, the benefit is that you probably, if you're a traditional age student, you may not have other family members that are relying on you for your survival, you may be able to focus a little bit more intently on the work itself um, and you get it kind of out of the way. I mean, that sounds bad. It's a wonderful experience, but you know, you kind of check that box early. But the the drawback is for somebody that goes straight into it, you don't necessarily have a lot of experience to pull from. Whereas when I went back, I had more things to juggle, but I was also able to take all the assignments and really think through other jobs that I had had that applied. And I, I remember thinking at several points, I wonder how the students that maybe don't have a lot of professional experience are even answering these questions because I feel like I have a lot to pull from. So I think there's definitely positives and benefits to both. For anybody that's thinking about it, I would just say to do a lot of research on the programs that are out there, talk to people who are in the program. 
Um, when I was thinking about this program, I talked to several people who were in the um, higher ed and student affairs, the HESA program early. I talked to people who did it like I did, working full-time, going to school part-time, and people who did it the other way. I talked to different different course instructors and things like that. So I felt like when I got into it, I had done a good amount of research and knew it was a good fit. So I would just encourage anybody to reach out to resources like The Exchange, talk to your faculty members, uh, do your own research online, and then just make sure you have a timeline laid out. A lot of programs require things like the GRE or GMAT, whatever the kind of the professional requirements are for you on the way in and assessment requirements. You want to make sure you've got those all timelined out appropriately so that you can meet their application deadlines. I'm curious. I mean, you mentioned just kind of the, you know, where the other students might have been at and not having as much professional experience. How, how was that for you navigating? I'm sure there was a, a ton of collaborative learning uh, activities and you're doing a lot of group work with these individuals. How was that with, you know, you're bringing all this experience and then maybe they're have some experience, but, you know, fresh out of undergrad, they're doing this full time. How, how was that for you as a student? Hard. Okay. So <laughs> Tony sees me sitting here <laughs> nodding knowingly and smiling. Um, it was hard because, and, and I, I feel like it's been very, even when I've talked to students who are doing group work on campus here, I feel like because I've had these other group experiences, I can speak to, I think group work can be wonderful. Yeah. And it's great because you're able to really rely on the strengths of others and to be able to say like, hey, you're really good at this area. Why don't you focus on this? The challenges are schedules. So I know that I, as soon as Dr. Abera asked that question, I had pop in my mind the the image of me taking my daughter on my birthday to the law school downtown at IEPUI um, with coloring books and markers and things to sit and color while me and my team worked. And wow. then other people were a little bit late arriving. So it ended up being kind of a really long day. So I was the only one in the program that that I recall that was a parent. So there was kind of that navigating it too. So it was challenging. You'd have to meet. I mean, I'd be meeting it a Saturday at 8 a.m. with two little ones sitting there coloring, or you could be meeting really late in the evening. So that part was the hard part. But the benefit was learning from all these different individuals that I was in the program with. Um, as you mentioned, it was a, a pretty uh, competitive program to get into. So everybody who was there deserved to be there and had different experiences that they were bringing. So it was really great to be able to get to know other people and learn about their backgrounds and interests. So yeah, I'd say that the the hard part was the scheduling and, and kind of getting everything disseminated in a way that the work-wise that, that made sense. But it was um, the value of having all those different voices was really helpful. You know, you didn't just earn the degrees. I mean, you got a 4.0 in both your graduate degree and your, your undergraduate yes, degree. Yes, I have a problem. <laughs> I, I, I mean, when was the last time you got a B? It was my freshman year of high school, okay. and it was I had two B pluses, and one was in gym. <laughs> so not that I hold a grudge on any of that, but no, it was really hard. But it's funny um, when students don't know my GPA, they don't, you know, I don't introduce myself that yeah. way. <laughs> but I always tell them, like, and I truly mean this, that employers are more interested in the things you've learned, the things you've done, the things you've accomplished more so than your GPA. Yes, they want to know that you did well in school and that you get things done on time and that you do what you're supposed to do. That's important. But most employers, if they're going to use some kind of a cutoff with hiring, it's like a 3-0 or higher for most. That's kind of the standard. So with people like me, quite honestly, a question that I would ask me if I were interviewing would be, give me an example of a time that you failed. Because I would be looking at me critically thinking, like, do you know how to fail? Do you know how to bounce back from that? So, you know, I, I'm definitely an, an achiever. 
and I work very hard to make sure I get things done and do them well, which is really where my GPA comes in. But at the same time, for students that are listening, thinking like, oh my gosh, that must be her expectation. Absolutely not. When we're working with students, it's like, you know, do well in class, but we put more emphasis on the hands-on learning, the get out and do things, figure out what you like and what you don't like. And there's nothing wrong with an experience that you come back and say, I don't want to do that. Fantastic. That's good to know. What didn't you like about it? So I think it just gives really people kind of the freedom to say like, yes, your classes are important. Pay attention. Do your best. That's all valuable. But in my mind, at least equally important, do things with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And that could be a really hard transition to be, you know, go from kind of the more traditional classroom to now becoming a a more self-directed learner. Right. Right. Yep. Well, let's jump into uh, our data source for for today. This episode, uh, we will be discussing findings from Marion's last four administrations of the National Survey of Student Engagement. So we administered Nessie in 2015, 17, 19, and 2021. We talked about Nessie in the last episode, but for those unfamiliar, Nessie annually collects information from hundreds of four-year colleges and universities about first-year and senior student participation in programs and activities that institutions provide for their learning and personal development. The results provide an estimate of how undergraduates are are spending their time and what they're gaining from the the college experience. The specific findings that we're discussing today uh, look at senior participation in an internship, co-op, field experience, student teaching, or clinical placement. So these are uh, examples of a high-impact practice. We talked about high-impact practices in the last episode, but these have been shown to benefit students, especially from historically underserved populations. The, the findings that we're talking about, that Jenny and I are talking about, students were asked, which of the following have you done or do you plan to do before you graduate? The response options were have not decided, do not plan to do, plan to do, done, or in progress. And since we're looking at seniors in their final semester, we're looking at the percentage of senior respondents who indicated done or in progress when it comes to participating in an internship, et cetera. So the findings compare our senior respondents to seniors from all other participating U.S. schools. And what we see is really a large, consistent gap across the four administrations when comparing our students to students from all other schools. So, for example, in 2021, 69% of senior respondents at Marion indicated they participated in an internship, et cetera. Among all other participating U.S. schools, only 44% participated. So I'm, I'm curious, Jenny, like when you, when you look at these findings and thinking about all the, the great work that you're doing, uh, you and your team are doing at the exchange, I mean, what really stood out to you? Yeah, it's, it's sort of validating when you see percentages like this because I think we've got you know, we, ha- we have had other people in other career offices, our counterparts at other universities that have been sort of envious of the relationship that our office has been able to um, develop with some fantastic faculty partners on campus. Sometimes in higher ed, you hear about what feels like more of a divide between the academic affairs and the student affairs side, which at Marion we call student success and engagement. And whereas I feel like we're really lucky because I feel like we work hand in hand with the faculty that are here and have some incredible partners 
some of the things that we've done that I think have been very that have been very helpful toward contributing to percentages like this in very much in conjunction with the academic affairs side is we have been able to not just have career development as a fundamental piece of what students are doing during their time here, but we've been able to actually embed it in the curriculum. And the thing that I'm most grateful for with that is if you think about with student schedules, they are pulled in so many different directions. And right now, just this morning, the time that we're recording this, we had a career fair this morning from 8 to 10, and we've got another one from 1230 to 230 um, over in Alumni Hall. And we have employers that are coming on campus that are wanting to engage with our students. In the past, when we would do something like that, if it wasn't really tied to the academic side seamlessly, we would be really hoping that students come by. We would know that the benefit that the the benefit of being there, we would know that the employers were great, we'd know their opportunities were great, and we'd know the students want to get those opportunities. But whether or not they are available or take the time to come over to meet with employers during that time is really the unknown. What we've done very differently and very intentionally in recent years, especially for our events in the past year, is we've sat down with some of our academic deans, faculty members, um, assistant deans, and we've been saying, okay, what do we think would be the most helpful type event for you to have for your students? And where could we embed that in the curriculum so that we have a core group of students at the right age studying the most relevant things in order to make sure that they are definitely there? Because we want we want bodies, but we'd really like to have the right bodies. So that's something that the fair that we had this morning just looked fantastic. I think we had close to 30 employers that were over there talking to our students that were in behavioral and social science. And then this afternoon, we've got one that's in the arts and humanities and the classes that are required to come that we held it intentionally at that time during their class time are the students that would most benefit from being there. It's open to everybody, but we tried to be very intentional about that. Uh, We know that as great as my colleagues are in the exchange, we could not be successful without our uh, faculty partners who were over there interacting with the employers and making sure that their students were there and were prepared. So that's one of the things that I'm really, really grateful for. Also, we have most, if not all of our programs, they have this requirement for students to do hands-on learning before they graduate. So that definitely contributes to it as well. When I was a student here, internships were highly encouraged, but they were not required. So I did internships. I did two when I was here, but that was something that I chose to do. I got credit for it. It was a fantastic experience. My first one told me some things I did not want to do, uh, which I tell students is helpful. And my second one resulted in a job that I um, had offered to me unexpectedly upon graduation. So that's the type of thing that we tell students, like, you know, an internship is It's basically a semester-long interview if it's a good fit. Most employers use those as part of their recruiting tool and are smart to do so because you both get a chance to kind of test drive the the relationship and see if it's a good fit, hire the person and keep them on full-time, or if it's not the right fit, okay, you spent a semester together, take your learnings and go from there. So I feel really lucky here. I work with our teaching and learning committee on the annual assessment reporting process and As part of that process, programs share, you know, how they're providing students with opportunities to engage in the professional setting. And it's so impressive to read these reports and all the great work that's going in, you know, across all these fields. Yeah, so it's really impressive. That gap between us and the comparison group is consistent. It's a pretty wide gap. But in in 2019, 2017, the, the senior participation is at 
79%. And then in, in 2021, it, it, it drops down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we, we experienced a pandemic. And I, I'm curious, you know, how, how have you all bounced back from that in, in terms of getting these employers and, and, you know, developing these relationships again after such a long hiatus? Yeah, no, I noticed that drop as well, which looks like it's pretty consistent with us and kind of the the other school comparison, which, you know, first thing that comes to mind with everybody, I'm sure when you think of 2020 is, you know, the pandemic and how we all had to adjust. I will say if we're looking for a silver lining of COVID, I would say that for us in our office, it was probably the way that we were able to adapt a lot of the things that we were doing to be more conducive to a virtual environment which, to be very honest, again, silver lining, having that in place now has been so helpful because we've been able to, in a lot of ways, work smarter, not harder. So we were able, we used to get invited, we still get invited to classes to speak regularly. But what we were able to do was actually to record a lot of the things that we get asked to do frequently and to kind of break that down into bite-sized chunks and put it into different places where it was accessible to students, that they could get to it anytime they wanted, but they also didn't need to wait for a class to come up. So for instance, and this is very much to the credit of my colleague, Brandy Bast, who uh, just this week was named a Career Development Professional of the Year by Work and Learn Indiana. Um, So she's fantastic. And she took a lot of what we had and developed a couple of YouTube playlists so that students could go on. And what she would do is similarly to what me and Dr. Rivera are doing right now is she would have a conversation with employers on um, just WebEx. And she would basically be doing brief interviews with them to ask them questions like, tell me about your opportunities, your background, what you have for students, what advice you would give to students who are interested in working where you're at, and recorded those. And so we currently have these playlists that are available that we call our HR huddles. And we also have another playlist that is more focused on just kind of career exploration. If you're not sure about a type of job, some of the conversations are with an employer who has an opportunity ready. Other times they're with an employer where they're maybe just talking more generally about their field to help educate students. So those are available 24-7 for students to access, um, which was also really helpful with partners like at our Ancilla campus where they have a, a smaller exchange team. And so they're able to access these just like the students at Indianapolis or any other campus that would be utilizing them. So those are, that's just one example of some of the things that we were, were able to do during that time. I want to kind of switch gears a, a little bit. I know you've invested a lot of time and energy in setting up and rolling out Suitable. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can just kind of tell us a little bit more about Suitable and, you know, how this can impact students and Definitely. and how, how faculty and staff can, can get involved. Yes, I actually was racing over here from another meeting that was related to Suitable. Yeah. So, yes, I feel like I kind of live in the Suitable world right <laughs> now, which Dr. Respason, if he's listening, would prefer I call MU Journey, which is our name for Suitable. This is something, so for people listening that may be less familiar with it, we just launched this back in mid-August of last fall, and it's something that we are going to be continuously having students download upon orientation when they come in. We really focused on our first-year students back in the fall just because we needed to start with some group that we really wanted to target, and we knew that obviously if our first-year students have it and we focus on orientation from now on, eventually all students are going to have it. And what we've done to kind of backfill is to um, speak to our sophomores, juniors, and seniors just as we're able to. This was something that probably three or four years ago, President Elsner had asked us in the exchange if we could come up with something that would be a way 
to track all the things that students are doing outside of their academics. Because we know that your academic transcript is going to be a list of all the courses that you've taken, but this was an opportunity to capture those things like service that students are doing on or off campus or part-time jobs that may or may not be reflected in an academic transcript unless they're getting internship credit for it. Internships, which they may be doing not for credit that wouldn't show up on an academic transcript. Athletic experience, which absolutely has value in terms of the skills that you're gaining is being a part of a team or being competitive and just achieving something at a high level. So there's many, many things that students are doing that currently that may show up on a resume um, if a student remembers to put them there or if they kind of fit within the confinement of a page, which is what we're usually asking students to to work with. This was a way for them to be able to capture all of that. So what this is, again, is it has Suitable is an app that you would download. And once you have it downloaded, you can come to like our career fairs that we have today. Students are actually checking in by scanning something saying, yes, I came to this career fair. So they're getting points for it and they're working toward these different badges. One of the badges that we really focus on in our area is a career readiness badge, but we also have badges that are tied to the university's institutional learning outcomes. So things like health and well-being, um, cultural and global awareness. We've even got some just about like MU pride. So if you're coming to maybe an athletic event that's not supposed to be the super educational experience, it's just fun and it's, you know, being engaged in the university. So there's a lot of different ways that we plan to use this. Once students have it downloaded, they can really go through and kind of complete all the things that make sense for them. When they're done, they're actually able to download and see this this list, which in some of our high achievers cases, the ones I pulled have been like 22 pages of information on students saying, here is what I did and here's the time I did it and here's the badge that I completed or my progress toward this badge. What I have found is that is, I'm excited for the potential of that. Because when we're talking to sometimes our seniors that are about to graduate and we're trying to help them fill out a resume and to think about the experiences that would make most sense to include, sometimes students are not their best advocates for remembering all the things they've done or being able to sell themselves in a way that an employer would probably be excited to hear about it. That's where we can really kind of be the go-between to help them just sell themselves better. And the MU journey and looking at the leadership transcript is a way that we're able to do that more effectively because we don't know what we don't know. So unless the student tells us about something that they did, we can't speak to it. Well, with the leadership transcript, we're able to look at that and say, hey, it looks like you did this your sophomore year. Tell me more about that. And we're able to help the student understand how that experience translates into what this employer is looking for and help them to tell their own story in a way that's more effective. There's already a, a good amount of activities in the in the system, but there's even more on the horizon yes. with faculty and staff working on, you know, you mentioned the badges that align with the institutional learning outcomes. There's bronze level, there's going to be silver, gold level. So there's going to be a lot more in there that students can, can access and um, really engage in, you know, not just in their first year, but, you know, throughout their they're four years here. Yes, definitely. And the, the meeting that I just came from was actually, with you mentioning faculty and staff, our friends in the Human Resources Office are working on putting together a couple of badges for faculty and staff, one that is focused on the really the orientation process that first-year faculty and staff are asked to go through. So as they're completing different things, it's a way for them to track that and to retain that information or those reflections. And then we're also looking at having a separate badge that faculty and staff could complete who have been here, you know, multiple years like you and I have and and are able to go through and just kind of track their engagement on campus and their completion of different activities or coming to different events or accomplishing different things. So more to come. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) 
Well, I, I appreciate you making time to, to talk with me. For you listeners, if you have any questions about assessment findings, anything that we discuss, please you know, feel free to email me. And just an announcement for first years and seniors, uh, this episode we talked about uh, Nessie findings. We are administering uh, Nessie this spring semester, so throughout the, the month of March. So your, your voice matters. Please complete the, the Nessie survey to help make Marion become the best it can be. Survey invitations will arrive via email starting Wednesday, March 1st, and go throughout the, the month of March. In appreciation for participating, all students who complete the survey will, will receive a $5 Starbucks gift card. Uh, all you have to do is just bring a copy or a photo of your survey confirmation page to the front desk of the library to receive your gift card. If you have any questions about Nessie or have trouble you know, accessing the survey when you, you get the invitation, please don't, don't hesitate to let me know. Jenny, I, I really appreciate you making time. You know, when I look back on my career, there's a lot of, you know, great people that I've worked with and great teams that I've been on and, you know, special in, in different ways, you know. And when I look at my time at Marion and my interactions with people at that, you know, director, senior director, executive director, I mean, it's an all-star team. And I mean, it's such a stacked roster when I think of, you know, working with you or Jessica in the library, Mona and CT. I mean, it's just crazy how talented this this roster of, of professionals is. So I've really enjoyed working with you and I, I appreciate you making time to talk with me. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. I, I work with awesome people. So I really, really appreciate you saying that. Well, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll see you next time on Data Talk. Thanks.